0: This is episode 41 with Renu Dillon, founder of one of the most visionary schools in early education, and that's Genius Kids. And today she's telling you how we can raise confident kids by developing this one critically important life skill that will put them on the path to success. Public speaking and
1: confidence it has to start right from day one because it's very hard to tell somebody in their 20s and 30s, you know, let's make some changes because habits have been formed already. Mm
0: -hmm. And also
1: you already have created an idea of who you are and about yourself. And I always tell parents that we want our children To be leaders. And I'm not just talking, you know, sometimes parents think I'm talking about just creating somebody that's going to become the next multimillionaire. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody that walks in a room. And if we look at it in the first seven seconds, you can make or break an impression. Mm -hmm. And that's before you've even opened your mouth. So it first begins with your posture and how you present yourself. And then the second part is
0: when you speak. These two are so critical. Hey, moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all or just to become a more confident mom if so then welcome to citrus love keeping motherhood inspired I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hi, welcome to another episode of Citrus Lift Podcast. So happy you're joining me. So today we are talking about one life skill that most people, even maybe you, would consider one of their biggest fears, and that is public speaking. Today we'll be talking all about how you can help your kids starting right from the get-go, even before they can speak in full sentences, to feel confident in public speaking will make such a difference as you will learn today A mom of two, Renu Dillon. She is the founder and director of Genius Kids Development Inc., which she founded in 2001. So, Genius Kids is an award winning accelerated learning center and franchise that focuses on providing children with the communication, confidence, and leadership skills that are essential for success in life. Has 38 locations in the state of California. She's been known to teach her kids and two-year-olds in her daycare to read by the age of two and three. And that totally shocked me. And I definitely had to ask her how she did it. So she gave me the one-on-one, which you'll hear in this episode. I found her because of this documentary I saw on TV by TV Sankmonde. And CNN also did a documentary about her school for the most visionary school in the world in early education. So today we're going to dive in and get to the bottom of why she started it and what important life skills that kids in the early years, like from zero to six, should definitely be learning. And if you're not teaching them one of these skills, you will definitely want to after this episode. She's responsible for the development, training, and implementation of these curriculums. And she developed recently an award-winning curriculum for public speaking course called Win With Word, training kids from pre-K through grade six. Genius Kids has been recognized worldwide as the school that shapes tomorrow's citizens. At the daycare and after these after school programs, and even online, her mission is to inspire every student to think, lead, and communicate, resulting in greater self esteem, confidence, and performance to learn, achieve, and care with that being said enjoy this episode make sure to share it with another mama that would appreciate hearing about how to raise confident kids in today's world let's get to it and listen to our conversation Welcome Renu to the Citrus Love Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time today to talk about Genius Kids and your newer project and just give us the mothers and the mothers to be at home a glimpse of the way you're educating kids at Genius Kids. Now most of them are located in California, correct?
1: Yes, they are actually. And first of all, thank you for inviting me to your show. It's always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for giving me the opportunity and a big hello to all the mommies and the mommies-to-be. Um, I think it's the best, best job on earth to be a mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how many Genius Kids preschools or after schools and franchises do you currently have?
1: So we currently have 38 all in the Bay Area, Northern California and the Bay Area that we have between all the way from Morgan Hill to Sacramento and everything in between Tracy. We haven't gone into the city yet because the rents are really horrendous, mm-hmm. but uh, at least uh, pre-COVID we had 38. And I'm hoping we can retain all of them. It's, uh, it's a struggle right now. You know, It's uh, tough times with the COVID, but um, we're keeping our fingers crossed.
0: Mm-hmm. So 38 in total. I actually found out about your business genius kids. When I think it was a documentary I watched. I think it was the most creative schools in the world, like how they're teaching. Kids oh yes, creatively. Yes.
1: So we were uh, featured first on uh, CNN as mm-hmm. the most visionary school mm-hmm. for early education, and then we were selected. It's a it's a, a television station called TV Five Mondays, based in Canada. And they flew out and did a whole story on us as being, they selected seven centers worldwide that focused on children that were very unique. And we made it into that documentary. So it was very exciting. Yes. One of the most visionary schools, correct, in the world?
0: Yes, I think it was on that one. And I remember yes. your school, it just stuck and I went online immediately, Googled Genius Kids to learn about it and where it was located because I was hoping there was one in Canada. But unfortunately, it's only in the States at this time. Although you have plans for expansions from what I've read.
1: Yes, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. We're looking to expand and hopefully uh, as we get franchisees and int- who are interested, we definitely will. We just need a franchisee in Canada and we'll be ready to go.
0: Mm. So that's good <laughs> for anyone listening. So I read that you've developed over four thousand learning lessons for genius kids over the years. It's probably more by now. Um, is it accurate to say that when most people are taking weekends off, you can be found <laughs> creating new curriculums? Because I heard you were a workaholic. You're yes, not I am.
1: At work, that's very true. <laughs> helping,
0: you're very implicated in the community volunteer work, helping to make our kids' world a better place.
1: Very accurate. Um, I probably sleep about six hours a day. And uh, so it's funny, I even wake up on Saturdays, even if I don't have to go to work, come up at six o'clock in the morning. Yes, I love, you know, I believe in one very strong philosophy. If you love what you do, you'll keep doing it. And that's what I do. I really love what I do. I thoroughly enjoy writing lessons. And in actual fact, as I'm speaking to you today, I'm going to be building my entire virtual online platform because now naturally a lot of parents wa- are working from home or teaching the kids from home so I have spent now the last four months so I think the 4,000 is increased to what I have no idea <laughs> but I'm redeveloping a lot of curriculum into video format and I've also launched my YouTube channel if you can't come to us we're coming to you we're coming right to your house now
0: does this mean that because of COVID and you've taken a lot of the education materials and curriculums online that it might be available to people that are not uh, physically going to these, uh, to Genius Kids?
1: Absolutely correct. And it uh, won't be might. It is. It is and okay. it will. So I'm almost finished with the portal. We have, right now we're offering virtual learning through all our schools because parents are naturally at home with their children. So all our mm-hmm. franchisees and myself as well and my staff, some of our centers are open and the rest are doing virtual learning. But then there are a whole. there's a whole Family out there of people that need more. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm building this portal, and it should be ready in a, um, a lot of the curriculum, focusing especially on ages zero to 12 will be available for parents to just uh, go online and work with the child at home. Yes, redeveloping everything because technology is so different. You know, Mm -hmm. the lessons that I've had have been used in the classroom, assuming the child is in the room with the teacher. So that's a very different perspective from when you put it online, where now the child is learning from a video. So I have to reformat everything in a format where now I'm learning, you know, they're learning through videos. Mm -hmm. But yes, and we're gonna have a whole range, everything for even programs for infants, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. phonics, um, reading, teach a child how to read uh, from the phonics lessons, reading lessons. Then we're going to focus on public speaking, communication, story time, art. It's going to be a whole range of subjects.
0: Let's talk a bit about you and then we'll go back to Genius Kids. I read that you were born and raised in in Mombasa, Kenya. Correct. Yes. Tiny little
1: town right by the coast.
0: Yes. I've actually been there, believe it or not. Wow. That's amazing. Most people don't even know where Mombasa is. I know. I was like, wow, because I did some volunteer work a few years back and we actually went there for a couple of days. So talk about your parents, because I read you really appreciate how your parents raised you, that you believed in yourself. Can you share a few important lessons or core values that they instilled in you when you were young that you still remember to this day?
1: Absolutely. So ra- my mom was a teacher. She used to be a teacher in school. She um, gave up teaching when I was born because I was a pretty naughty, high maintenance child, I guess. That's what they say. I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> but, um, and also, uh, my brother was only 18 months older, so she had uh, two babies back to back. So mom quit her job, but she continued to always remain an educator. So I think the first thing that I learned is that the parent is and will always remain the educator. So I think that's a very important lesson for all parents mm. to understand that you are always going to be the first and the lifetime educator for your child. So to always keep that in mind and not just think that you're a parent. And my mom has always remained an educator. I think the second uh, most important lesson I learned is my father was a very successful uh, medical practitioner, but he was very active in politics. Uh, so he was a very prominent public speaker, and I've always watched him speak and practice his speeches, and that fascinated me, and that's what my, I grew up in such a small town that I was very limited to the extracurricular activities I could do, you know, compared to the choices that children have today, Mm -hmm. so the only thing that I had in my little town was a, a little British theater club, it was called the British Theater Club, and they had drama, ballet, jazz. Mom tried me in ballet. just didn't work out. My legs were too long. I was just too tall. So <laughs> I went into drama and started drama when I was three years old and stayed in that activity really until I went to university. And I think that has been one, oh, wow. been one of my best blessings in disguise because people, they only think they want to put their kids in drama if they think they have a child who's interested in theater. I tell all the parents today, if you are going to invest in your child, make sure you put them in a drama class, theater class, or public speaking. Because any program that can give you the ability to communicate, to be able to become characters, to be able to feel other characters, and you do that through stories, mm-hmm. it becomes your, your life, uh, life-saving skill later on in life because you have that ability now to engage and become other people when you're interacting with others. That's yeah. been the second best uh, gift that I've had with them. And then third, especially in my culture, I'm um, Indian by origin. And in our culture, a lot of importance is given to to boys, the son. And Mm -hmm. my parents didn't do that. My parents treated my brother and myself equal. And we were given the same education, um, the same opportunities. I never grew up realizing that, you know, there was no difference between a boy and a girl. And I Mm -hmm. think that really helped as well.
0: I want to go back to what you said about taking theater and arts. And that's so (laughs) smart, though. Because it's true. Like for me, when I think back to when I was a child, I was incredibly shy. When I was, um, I think, six or seven, my mom had bought me a karaoke machine. She said, you're going to practice speaking and getting up and singing, just like in our home. For fun and she said that it helped me it, to a certain degree to open up
1: you know it's it's so funny you see that because um, that's the recommended tool that I tell every parent comes to genius kids it's in our welcome book we tell them to invest in a karaoke machine at home and encourage your child to perform sing speak even simple things when they come in at the end of the day in during the dinner time after dinner stand up in front of me and tell me something you've learned at school and that immediately when you keep handing the microphone and that's what we do at genius kids you keep handing that mic to a child it becomes second nature it's like when you pick up a pencil you write when you pick up a mic you speak you don't second guess yourself. And that's why I think it's so important. And, you know, believe it or not, shyness, look into shyness. There's actually no such thing as shyness. We think we grow up thinking we're shy. So it's, uh, it's so important for parents. Your mom did the, the best thing possible is to give you that karaoke because you will slowly, you overcame your shyness and the kids will do that. And they'll realize I have a voice and I can hear my voice. And that's what's so important.
0: Let's say the kids come back from school or from daycare and you're sitting around at the table having dinner and then you say, how was your day? Instead, would you suggest even during that they specifically get up, stand up and talk? Uh, Yeah, do a
1: game. So I, I think it's always, you know, children love games and they don't like being put on the spot. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could have what's called a show and tell or a share and tell. And everybody has to stand up, even the parents. And you always stand up and speak. And as they get older, you introduce the sitting format because now kids learn the sitting format about being around a conference table. But when they're Mm -hmm. little, you always teach them to stand up. And you can even pass one of those little echo microphones around the table. And everybody has to do it, including mom and dad. Tell us one great thing that happened today. And tell us one not so great thing that happened today. And this also helps you with your child opening up to you and telling you exactly what's going on at school. Because I'm sure you know is when children get into school and you ask them, how was your day? The standard answer is, okay. Oh great, you know, they'll just give you the one word answer. So it's so important to be able to ask them open-ended questions and say, well, tell me one good thing that happened. And then can you share one not so good thing that happened? And in this way, you also start opening up communication between your child and the trust for them to be able to come back to you and know that you're not going to overreact, hopefully, when something is not so good as happened at school. It opens up communication lines a lot
0: hmm And you would suggest us doing that starting uh, as soon as they're able to speak. Yes. And as soon like- as you're
1: able to speak. Absolutely. Yes. And mm-hmm. you know, another thing that uh, is also very important is when you, when you pick them up from daycare and you're in the car with them, talk. The mm-hmm. best skill you can give your child is communication. You know, turn off the radio, uh, put on your cell phone and just talk to them. Just talk, sing, speak, I do this with my grandkids right now. And mm-hmm. even when they're with me, I put everything away. And it's got to the point where my grandson will tell me, if I pull out my laptop, he'll tell me, put that away. You have to spend time with me, which is great. <laughs> and he's only three. Yeah. So communicate as much as you can. Everything you, wanna, you want to do with your child is all based on communication. Everything we do in our life is about communication. Mm-hmm. That's something you want to instill in them.
0: And what about some kids don't talk as much and others are really chatty?
1: So it's definitely based on personality. And of course, sometimes we do have children that may have speech delays as well. Mm -hmm. And this is why communication is so important, because in addition to when they go for speech therapy, that's what speech therapists do. They make them talk, you know, they make them do mouth exercises. So you want to definitely engage as much as possible. Personality does come into it. But I think what happens is even somebody that's quiet, when they discover they have a voice and they discover they can start believing in themselves and know that, they should have no fear in expressing what they feel. They may say something a little different from somebody who's very loud and aggressive, but at least they'll learn how to be heard. And Mm -hmm. I think that's very important. We need to teach our kids that.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the main themes you focus on at Genius Kids is giving children the confidence. As a child, were you naturally confident or was it something you learned and developed over time?
1: So when I look back, my brother and I have very different personalities. And even though we had the same tutor at home, same parents, personality definitely does play a little more part in it. And then after that, it's really the education and the environment you're in. So my parents, in my brother's case, he went to a boarding school and uh, where he was probably not exposed as much to drama and public speaking like I was because it was focused very much on the academics. Mm-hmm. And then the additional activities, being a boy, he was pushed just into sports. In my case, um, I had I had my sports and then I had additional time not being at boarding school. So I got the public speaking. And I think if you look at the difference between the both of us, that skill that I had, the, that my mom you know, engage me into and put me in classes really became my um, asset. He's still verbal, but he's quiet mm. and he'll choose, you know, who he'll speak to. He's, he'll wait till somebody speaks to him, whereas I don't wait. Always far more boisterous than he was, which is strange being a young lady. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you know, because both my parents are like that.
0: Let's jump ahead to another part of your journey before Genius Kids. You said you were working as a corporate headhunter, and at one point you noticed that the job applicants were deficient in good communication skills and confidence. Can you talk about this realization and what surprised you about it? Because at that point, they're adults. How come this had an impact on you? So, um,
1: so we'll back up a little bit. While I was um, raising my kids as a single mom at home, I had actually, prior to becoming a recruiter, you know, I was fighting custody battles in court and needed all the money in the world to pay off these attorneys. So I actually ended up opening a matrimonial dating agency from home. That's when I first discovered how important communication is because... I used to match people up and that time we didn't have Zoom it was just the telephone I only had the the telephone and basically um calls or if I ever got to meet them in person so there were two ways of looking at it I would either meet people that sounded great on the phone and then when you'd meet with them they completely lacked the grooming and I would be like all right how am I going to groom you to meet this other young person that I want to introduce you to, <laughs> or it was vice versa. They were strikingly, amazingly good looking. And when it came to speaking, they as soon as they opened their mouth, you'd be like, what happened over here? Where, where's this person? Who is this person? And that's when I realized that it's so important. You, It's very hard to change adults because normally by the age of six and seven, we formed our personality. And that's when I started realizing I spent more time counseling people on grooming skills and talking skills that I did on matchmaking. Mm. And uh, then and when um, I got recruited out of that business, I sold that business and I became a recruiter, it became even more obvious. Now I was placing people in jobs and I would get these phenomenal resumes for, I was specialized in accounting. So I'd get all these amazing resumes for a CEO or a CFO. And then I would call them into my office. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, your interview skills are terrible. So maybe mm-hmm. they were just very book smart and not street smart. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, you know, public speaking and confidence It has to start right from day one because it's very hard to tell somebody in their 20s and 30s, you know, let's make some changes because habits have been formed already. Mm -hmm. And also you already have created an idea of who you are and about yourself. And I always tell parents that we want to create the next Steve Jobs. You know, Mm -hmm. we want our children To be leaders. And I'm not just talking, you know, sometimes parents think I'm talking about just creating somebody that's going to become the next multimillionaire. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody that walks in a room. And if we look at it, in the first seven seconds, you can make or break an impression. Mm -hmm. And that's before you've even opened your mouth. So it first begins with your posture and how you present yourself. And then the second part is when you speak. These two are so critical. And especially now for children, because the world is so competitive, wherever you go, colleges, jobs, it's so competitive. We have to make our children stand out. And you can only do that by grooming them every way possible and not just focus on the academics. And that's what I realized. I got to do something here. And when I launched Genius Kids, it's always been public speaking and confidence building right from day one. It wasn't even a preschool when I started it. it I started by teaching public speaking and communication and by default, it turned into a preschool.
0: Because you had so many parents that were interested.
1: Yes, so many that were interested. I was doing classes that was only once a week and parents were coming back and saying, this is not enough. We need more. And can't you do this all day? Can't you do something that can make an impact on my child all day? And that's when I realized, you know, I got to do a little bit more. And we do that all day long in our schools. Even now, i when I opened the school at eight o'clock this morning, as soon as the kids came in, we right from the day, you, uh, the minute you walk through the door, you meant to. We teach you how to socialize, greet your teachers, greet everyone around you, smile. And now, of course, we avoid all the handshaking, but um, anything to make you shine. I always tell parents we want our kids to shine, and shining doesn't mean getting grades, you know, A's and hundred percent. Shining means as a person.
0: Love that. And you know, that's why I'm like, I have to get her on because this is, (laughs) it's amazing. I love when people and mothers are doing things differently and that's needed. So let's go back a little bit. You were in the United States, you were married, and shortly after you had your two daughters, you got divorced. And Mm -hmm. at that point, you said you quickly lost everything and you had to start from scratch. So how did it look at that time, starting from scratch? Because your family wasn't around, so how did you do it?
1: So I was actually, I grew up, I got trained to be a pharmacist. So mm-hmm. I was actually a pharmacist and uh, no plans of coming to the U.S. My intentions were to remain in England where I would continued my education, but had this uh, opportunity to get married. Um, sometimes I look back and I wonder why, but it was a <laughs> typical trend. You know how it is, especially, in, again, in our Indian culture, you, you go to school, you get your degree and then you get married. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I'm I'm hoping to change that pattern and make them realize, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm educating my children that marriage only is not a mandatory, you know, it's not your career path. It's not your life path. Mm-hmm. It's only there if you find the right person. So unfortunately, I didn't get the right person. And it was a nightmare when I came here. I mean, that's a whole story in itself. Um, I was, you know, it was a very, very rough, a very abusive marriage. And that's when I realized that, again, my confidence really helped me because my first husband tried everything possible to destroy my confidence in every way possible. And I was helpless. I was an immigrant and I was on a green card that was conditional at the time. So I had to live in this uh, nasty marriage for four and a half years because of the fear that if I ever left and I packed my bags many times to leave that I would not be able to uh, come back again and my children were American citizens so the Mm -hmm. laws were very different at the time and I'm so glad they've changed now based on all the domestic violence uh, acts that have occurred so um, it was tough I, I actually stayed in that marriage for four years, because I had no other options, my parents were in Kenya. I had no family here, and really not much support. But I, I always uh, thank him. God bless him. He passed away on Christmas Day last year. But I always thank him that I got two beautiful daughters from him, and who have been my strength. But I felt the whole world had fallen apart because when I was given my divorce papers, financially I had we we had a company we'd established, but I had never never used my head to learn about the laws here, the laws of uh, you know how. Uh, what community property is, what separate properties, never. You know, I grew up in a family where everything belongs to husband and wife. And even if things don't work out tomorrow, you're going to be taken care of. So I lost everything and I had to basically start from scratch. And uh, he acquired the company, which was our uh, franchise for uh, Subway sandwiches. We were in the Subway sandwich business and we had built hundreds of Subways already in four years. And I was left financially with absolutely nothing, but I got my two daughters. And going back to what my parents had taught me, I felt back on my education and my confidence. I said to myself, I have to do it. I had no other choice. Mm-hmm. I had two little babies to feed. One was only one and one was four. So I, the, what I did is I sat down and I got back my belief in myself. In those four years, I had lost a lot of my confidence for numerous reasons. And I started to build that up. So I worked a lot on myself. And then I, that's when I started the matrimonial agency. I worked from home because I, it was very hard to get jobs with two kids and even make ends meet. And that's when I started a matrimonial agency and I used to tutor. I became friends with so many other women that were going through a divorce who were working. So I would tutor their kids and that's where the tutoring part came in. Mm. And I did anything and everything possible to make ends meet and did it. And the one thing I was determined to do is I've always taken an approach in life. I never want to play victim. I don't like to, and I always tell parents, let's teach our children not to sit there and feel sorry about circumstances. You know, things happen, you know, and when things happen, you just have to simply say, all right, it happened, and it happened to me, and that's tough luck, and now I'm going to have to learn from this. So Mm -hmm. figure out what happened to you. Try to make sure you don't repeat that mistake again But move ahead. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel, and that light may not look so bright, but Mm -hmm. you just got to find it. And through that journey, it's been a very slow, steady journey. Lots of hurdles, tons of hurdles. But um, I think if you can just believe in yourself and know you can do it, you you have to be your own support system, you know. And that's the one I'm writing this book for uh, parents to raise their kids. uh, The heading is "Raising Confident Children: Today's Kids, Tomorrow's Leaders." And in that book. I talk to parents about, let's not be too overprotective with our children. Let's, you know, as parents, what do we do? We want to protect them. We want them to you know, we never want them to get hurt. We never want them to get injured. Nobody does. But mm-hmm. if we protect them so much and they rely on only us, which is what happened with me, then what happens is when they get hit with something, a catastrophe or a tsunami, and you're not around, these kids are not going to know what to do, you know, and you, you can Google help. So... Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't have Google at the time. So I think it's so important going back to building confidence and hearing your voice that you got to, we have got to teach our children that the world is not going to be such a rosy place and that it's up to us to make things happen for us. And uh, our destinies are in our hands. Nobody else's, you know, you Mm. can't point the finger and say, I mean, I never look at my ex-husband and say, it's your fault. It's my fault. I stayed in that relationship for four years and I should not have, I should have walked away from day one, but I didn't. So um, I was helpless and I thought I was helpless, but I wasn't. I could have taken action a lot earlier. And that's why that's one learning lesson I give to everyone I meet that if you're in a situation, the decision is in your hands, not anybody else's.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Wow. So your daughters, during those preschool years, you never put them in a daycare. You kept them home. You homeschooled them during that time, right? So Shauna, my older one did go to a
1: preschool um, okay. right when we were right after we had her because I was working. And then when the little one was born, she was a preemie. I started staying home. And then after the divorce started, I had no choice but to stay home. I did try schools for them. But the first thing was the affordability factor. By the time I calculated daycare for two children versus what I could, you know, uh, work at the time it was very hard. And then custody battles and the divorce, it was just very difficult. So I primarily taught them from home, but I, I did whatever I could from home. And then when they um, were ready to go to kindergarten is when I put them back into a uh, school at kindergarten. So okay. I spent a lot of time with them at home teaching them.
0: Okay. So by the time you had started Genius Kids, they were in middle school? One was in
1: elementary and one was just getting into middle school. They never went to Genius Kids yet. They came when I opened the school. But what I did do, which is why they both belong to the business now and they both joined the business, is... When I started Genius Kids, I would pick them up from school and bring them back into my after-school program. They used to do their homework in the office. And then my 14-year-old would help me. Both her and the younger one, when she got older, both developed entrepreneurial skills because I said to them, I said, no, you're not going to go gallivanting in the mall. There's no need to do that. (laughs) Mom needs help and let's do this. And they both have become very successful entrepreneurs because that was instilled in them at the age of 14. Hard work, the importance of working, the importance of, um, you know, earning money and valuing every dollar that you earn.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think
1: that's another skill that comes much later on is we tend to spoil our kids, you know, give them everything they want. And I'm not saying spoiling is not good. Spoiling is great. You want to show your kids that you love them, but they also need to understand the value of things.
0: Mm-hmm. An interesting fact I learned is that you taught both your daughters to read by the time they were two. And this is something that you've been able to replicate in some two and three-year-olds at Genius Kids. So I'm curious, how are you doing it?
1: Um, I, have a, I think I've written a really successful reading program. It's called Miss Rainer's Reading Recipes. And uh, my mom taught me how to read. I was also reading at the age of two through phonics. And I strongly recommend to parents that it's all phonics based and don't try and teach kids memory learning. A lot of parents focus on memory. They'll keep showing the pictures and the letters and the kids. Kids have great memories. They'll look at the picture of a cat and then you'll look at the words underneath and you'll eventually figure out that's cat. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that, you know, you have to teach them the sounds because when you go ahead and read something, phonics is such where you have to learn to blend. So there's, there's a whole step process that you learn for reading. So you start with your basic phonics. Then you introduce the short vowels, you know, and that to vowel A. And then after that, you progress to vowel O. Little steps that you have to take. And then you progress to the next level of book. So I think what happens with parents is we tend to get so excited. We want them to read right away that we teach them to memorize. And that's not what reading is. Reading is so many different things happening in the brain. And the brain needs to understand what am I reading in this word? And then they must understand what they're reading. So we have this program that whatever I did with my kids, I've now developed into a series of lessons which are used very successfully. And yes, we have hundreds and hundreds of children that are reading well before the age of three. Wow. We start them as infants, as early as infants. I start introducing phonics to infants from the age of six months old.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So you- and, you know,
1: ju- just doing a lesson, you know, kids will hear you. And babies ha- are amazing if you look at the power of the brain. They'll just look, they'll hear you, they'll see the sound, they'll see the picture, and just, it's, it's constant repetition. You know, if you're doing the ah sound, then do the ah sound every day for a week, and then un- introduce the b and then introduce the k
0: And with that, we don't necessarily need to show them any images. It's more the sounds.
1: Yes, the sounds. And sounds Mm. relating to an image. So if you are going to do images, so when you teach reading, even as well as reading, reading shouldn't be done with images because the child is going to look at the image and figure out what the word is. What I'm talking about is when you teach sounds, ah for apple, ah for alligator, simple, simple, when they're young and they're learning phonics, phonics and pictures have to be associated because they'll remember. But when you go to reading and you say the cat is on the mat, you don't want to show the pictures because if you show me a cat on a mat, I'm going to clearly figure out that the cat is on the mat, but I've got to read it now. I got to blend it.
0: Mm, I understand. mm -hmm. Yeah. And,
1: you know, the emphasis of phonics as well on the, ex, on the mouth and the uh, the tongue, it's a good exercise. So even ca- kids that have speech delays, I tell parents, I have, I'm teaching public speaking now and I have one child who's 13. And I said the same thing to the mom. She says, oh, she'll outgrow it. And I said, no, she won't. You. She needs help. You must take it to a professional. But at the same time, you could do simple exercises, mouth exercises. In my videos, when I teach phonics, I show how I open my mouth and say, ah. So when you stretch them out, the kids must learn to say, ah.
0: So all of these lessons, you're putting them online. For anyone that, that would be interested, do they have to take all of them or can they like pick and choose certain No, ones?
1: they'll be able to pick and choose. So the, for example, if you sign up for phonics, then you should finish your phonics before you move to reading level one and then you move to reading level two and then level three. I always tell parents, pick it by the subject. So I'm going to have it based on subjects.
0: So what's your definition of a genius kid? Just to clarify it, like you said, it's not necessarily the future president or the Steve Jobs. I
1: believe we're all geniuses. I strongly believe in that. Because if you think about it, we're all born with the same brain. We all have that same gray matter. We come out as humans with the same brain. The question is, how do you use that brain? How do you Mm -hmm. stimulate that brain? I think one of the worst things we do is we try and immediately start to judge our children by IQs, by numbers. Why? Why do I have to be judged by a number? Why do you have to grade me? And this is what I don't like, Mm -hmm. is that I'm me and I want to be me and I'm going to be a better version of myself. I don't need to be you or anyone else. So I think what parents need to understand is that brain is so powerful that when you have your miracle of life, that child is already a genius. So point number one is never compare siblings. Never. It's so natural to say, oh, this one was like this and this is like this. Never Mm -hmm. compare siblings because remember, they're all different. Even if they're raised in the same home and I have two children that have been raised by myself and they're so different, both of them. You know, and they've eaten the same food. They have the same mom, but they're both different, (laughs) you know, and one has one kind of skill. One has the other. I mean, completely different. And that's the amazing thing is when you see that happen, you wonder to yourself, but I did the same thing, you know, when I used to scold them, I scolded both of them. You know, what happened here or when I was, you know, I've spent all my happy moments with both of them. It's just the way life goes. But the brain is such that it's so important to stimulate it right, right from the day the, the, the child is born. So simple things I talk about in my book, eye contact. Teach your child to always look at you when you're speaking and you look at them when you're speaking. Acknowledge them. Speak to your child. No baby, no baby language, no babble. Speak to them right from day one. Speak to your child and they'll speak back to you. Incorporate simple things like speak to me in a full sentence. So when babies start talking, help them with their sentences. Never make children struggle. Help them. And let, the, let your child explore everything. Give them things. Give them art. Give them Lego. And then let them pick what they want to do. I think what happens is many times as parents, especially in certain cultures, we've already decided what we want our children to be. And you can't do that. I know we all want our kids to be successful, but some parents who are doctors say, well, my kid's going to be a doctor no matter what, or my kid's going to be an engineer no matter what. No, let them, it's their path. Let them find their own way and expose them to as many opportunities of experiences in life. And it doesn't have to just be academics. This world is not about academics. I mean, think about it. How many, we don't walk around with our degree in our hand everywhere we go. (laughs) At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's how we convince people. Mm -hmm. You know, and how are you going to speak to people and how are you going to present yourself? So your child has to learn how to package themselves as themselves, as what's special about them. And, you know, I'm teaching this class. It's very unique. I'm teaching this class in public speaking. And I had a, I have a group of eight-year-olds in the class and I asked them the other day, what are you good at? And please don't talk about academics. Tell me something about yourself. Let's do some intrapersonal skills. And, you know, it was shocking it really made me sad to realize that kids looked at me and said, what do you mean, what am I good at? I'm good at Lego. And I said, no, give me some qualities about you. Some of them could not figure out what's good in terms of as a personality. They could only talk about the academics. Mm. Well, I'm good at math. You know, and I said, no, tell me okay, tell me some kind things you've done. What have, what have you done that's made a difference in the lives of others? And nobody could answer that question. Nobody could tell me what they've done even now during COVID to make a difference in the lives of others, you know, and they all looked at me and said, but should I be doing something? And I said, yes, (laughs) there are a lot of things you could do. You could be drawing pictures for, and and they said, oh, I'm not allowed out. I said, you don't have to go out. You can drop them off at the door. You can have your parents take food to the homeless. And there's so many things you can do. And Mm -hmm. that's when I realized, uh, Christian, that, Everybody is just so wrapped up in just making money and being successful. And these kids have overloaded schedules. I mean, math and reading and language arts and science. And there was no fun activity in that whole day. Six hours of nothing but learning, even now on the screen. And, and I asked them, I said, you know, when you ask them to talk, they have nothing to say. They can only talk about their studies. They can't talk about anything else. So the world is not just about being a great student. The world is a lot more than that. And especially now, when we look at what's happening now, I mean, COVID hit all of us who expected this. And now we're really looking around and seeing how people can handle this. And we don't have leadership right now, especially in our country. You Canadians are very lucky. We don't have leadership in our country right now. We have to lead our own country. This is where we, people are falling apart. You know, those who are not used to being alone are stranded at home. They don't know what to do. So these are little, little things that make a huge difference in life.
0: Is that how you're teaching these kids essential life skills, you could say? Yes.
1: You hit the nail on the head. Life skills. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Learn how to self-control. You know, it's not just about teaching them how to share. Even manners, etiquette and manners. You know, how many of us actually sit down and teach our kids how to eat on a table? You know, those things are so important. Uh, how many of our kids know which spoon to use first? Have they ever gone to classes to learn that?
0: Have classes or it's integrated in Integrated
1: everything. into lunch, integrated into everything you do, your, your napkin. Right now we're focused so much on the whole... COVID, the social distancing. I mean, we've explained to three-year-olds and you won't believe it. It's so cute. In my school now, my little ones, even my two-year-olds will walk in and they know they have to have their temperature taken and their bags sprayed and their (laughs) shoes sprayed. And it's so funny. They go straight up to the box and they stand and they lift their head up automatically like little robots. (laughs) They they know the process better than adults, Uh you know, about taking the temperature. And then they'll point to the Lysol and say, okay, Now do the Lysol on my shoes, do the Lysol on my bag. We've taught them all social distancing. Even a two-year-old now understands that she has to keep her distance. So we've incorporated that as part of learning. And I've done it through stories. I've done it through hands-on examples, you know, um, in the classroom, explaining to them what bugs are, what germs are.
0: And are all the kids at the daycares, are they all wearing these face shield masks? Uh, we
1: don't force the to- uh, natu'rally not the infants and the toddlers, but as yes. soon as they turn about two years seven months, we start introducing it. We don't force it. But okay. what happens is that but the three year olds on we do encourage them. And now I think it's the first two weeks, kids struggled with it. You know, I take it off, whatever. I don't want mm-hmm. to wear it. But now we've we've done so many stories on on germs and how we have to stay safe that kids are automatically they just come in and they they wear their masks. So it's just a matter of practice. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It was actually the easiest thing to teach kids. The mask is harder. You know, when you have to wrap a mask around yeah. your face, that's, yeah. that's difficult. I mean, I struggle with that. But the shield is a lot easier.
0: So you have three different types of models for genius kids. Can you talk about the three types?
1: Yes. So we have it as infants and toddlers. That's one age group, what we call zero to two, two and a half. And then we have our preschool, pre-K. Then we have our kindergarten and after school. So they're like three ages. Our centers are, some people incorporate all the age groups in their center, depending on the size of their location. Some will just pick one. Like we have some franchisees who are only infants and toddlers, and some are only preschool. But I go up to the age of 12. I don't have curriculum really for middle and high school. Maybe only for public speaking and communication, but not for anything else. I want to target the elementary age group. And my favorite age group is the zero to six, because that's the of opportunity for learning. That's your window right there. That's your chance to do whatever you can.
0: You like to be personalized with each uh, student or child.
1: When I talk about personalization, when we're teaching kids, my teachers are trained not to assume that all 10 don't have to be the same. So the curriculum is set in such a way that if you have a child in the class that may be struggling with something, then the teacher can swap the curriculum and change it and modify it and use another lesson. She can just switch to another lesson. So the way we've put our levels, even in our preschool, we have two levels so that a child should be always placed in the right level. And I always tell parents, don't judge your child just by the age. You know, we're not um, stereotyped kids. You don't look at a Google and say, well, my two-year-old needs to do this, Mm -hmm. so then they should be in this class, or my three-year-old needs to do this. I have four-year-olds that struggle with certain things, and I have three-year-olds that are very advanced. It really boils down to the child themselves. And at the end of the day, you always want to make sure that your child is placed in a classroom where they're going to get confidence and not ruin their confidence. So if you put them in a class where 10 kids know everything and your child is struggling, that's not going to help them. It's important to place them in a level where they'll master that skill and then move to the next one. Yeah, I have had kids with me all the way from zero through fifth grade, and I literally have to push them out of the door at sixth grade and say, you need to go now. And the beauty about what I do is, which I love, is those kids will, thanks to Facebook, will continue to keep in touch with me and find me. Just day before yesterday, I got one of my students who's now in high school wrote me an email about how a little company that he's launched to help children right now during COVID. And he wrote to me asking me to help him launch his company. And that was just so fabulous to see that one of my students reached out.
0: Oh, wow. And are your curriculums, are they approved by the government or how, how does it work? Because you create them? No, I'm private. I'm private. private, because I saw online, you have science co- uh, classes, yes. math, but it's not, it doesn't no. follow the standard teachings. Yeah. Unfortunately, it. I'm not
1: a big fan of the standards of the U S right now. <laughs> 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 I go by the British standards. You know, I've based written my curriculum based on what I think a child should know at that age okay. and not what the school district thinks they should know, because I, I think the school district is really behind in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. For example,
1: reading. I mean, they think it's okay to read at the age of five. No, reading is a very important skill that you teach as soon as you can because with reading comes speaking and everything is about reading, you know. So I don't understand why we have to wait till kindergarten to teach a child to read. That's not the time to teach a child to read. They should be reading by that time.
0: So, how are you evaluating your kids' success? Do they receive grades or how does that work?
1: I don't believe in numbers. I give feedback to parents based on, um, you know, we need to work on this area. We give regular progress reports that we think that areas that they need to work on. And we work on those areas with the parents. I always tell parents, I'm not going to sit here and put a number on your child because I'm here to build confidence. I'm here to build their self-esteem and schools can do whatever they want. But for me, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, your child belongs in this grade level or they're just really poor. I don't want to use those kind of words. We don't have even the word called poor. We have need improvement or needs practice. No such thing as poor. Yes. I don't like the Fs. I don't want the Ds or the As. I just want (laughs) good, very good, needs practice.
0: With this method, do you find that it challenges these kids to stretch beyond their imagination because there's no box that they need to fit in?
1: I think so, because I feel that children, when you progress them through a curriculum, they finish one level and you go to the next and the last, they're already progressing. They're already challenging themselves. I don't want a child to be more concerned about the person next to them. I don't want them to think, well, I haven't finished my math paper and -and so-and-so next to me finished it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. The question is, did you finish it correctly? Not the fastest. So I go go back to telling children about quality of your work, you know, focus on the quality of your work and don't worry about what other people are doing. Worry about what you're doing and try and do better than what you can do.
0: I love that.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I grew up being graded my whole life and um, I hated it. Because it was so that. it was so competitive. And I still remember, I was academically just very bright when it came to school. But it was all memory learning because that's all they used to do with us, you know. I used to memorize history books back and front. And I still remember once I didn't come first in the class and I went and challenged the teacher to check the scores again. I came home bragging that, oh, look, I challenged my teacher and I came, I was actually first and she made a mistake. That was the wrong thing to do. Because I was more obsessed with standing first and being top of the class and worrying about whether I enjoyed the process of learning because it became, it's very unhealthy. You know, when kids start competing against one another, they don't even want to be friends because you're just your rival. And you know, it's so funny, Christian. Um, somebody started a, a WhatsApp group from for my school when I was in elementary school and approached me a, a few uh, weeks ago. And they've started this WhatsApp group with the hundreds of us that we used to go to school together. And one of them wrote to me and said, oh, do you remember me? I used to sit behind you. And I was like, yeah. I said, but you never used to speak. And that's exactly what he wrote back and he wrote back and he goes, I was always scared to speak to you because you you had your face buried in a book all the time and you just wanted to be first at everything. And I Mm -hmm. thought to myself, oh my gosh, how terrible is that? (laughs) (laughs) I felt so, I was like, oh really? Because that's not my personality now, but that's the environment I grew up in. Mm -hmm. It was just all about who's coming first, who's coming first, you know, first, second, third, the rest of you don't exist. That obsession became a priority instead of the learning process. And I did that with my kids, my own kids. I said to them, I said, I don't want you, I don't want you bringing these home. It doesn't mean that you can go fail and come back and think it's cool. I don't want you to be failing, but I want you to do your best and just do whatever your best. So if somebody comes in with a, you know, the grade's not the greatest. Okay, fine. Let's find out why. If you didn't do well, let's find out why and let's work on that. And you want to take, teach them that principle in life so that when you move on into your job and other things, you don't give up when something doesn't work. You know, for example, now, right now with these COVID times, a lot of my franchisees ask me every day, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, I don't know what's going to happen. But I, what I do know is let's sit down and analyze what we can do instead of giving up. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you have to give up. Sometimes we're going to have to just throw our arms up in the air and say, okay, you know what? I can't do this anymore. That's okay. But as long as you know you tried all your options instead of just quitting. So don't be a quitter. Just try. Try your best. And then if things don't work out, you know what? It's not a failure. You know that you tried. And if it didn't work out, take that experience and learn from it.
0: Yeah. One thing you, you say is that failure leads to success. And I love that because I was not taught this when I was young. I thought <laughs> you try not to fail. I was afraid of failing and how, how other people would treat me. So I love this, that feeling leads to success eventually <laughs> if you continue trying. And let
1: me tell you, if I give you a list of my failures, I could write a book on that. <laughs> Tons of them. <laughs> and what do we do as humans? We tend to repeat some of those mistakes again, right? Especially mm-hmm. in our personal lives. And this is another thing we need to teach our kids don't be harsh on them. It's okay. So Mm -hmm. what? They failed. Okay. So big deal. Let's try again. Um, And we have to remember that not every child is cut out to be an academic student. There's Mm -hmm. so many things you can do out there. So let's not kill their creativity and their imagination. Listen to your child, watch them, see what they're good at, you know, see what they're good at doing and and develop that skill because they could be the next Steve Jobs, you know, I'm not saying don't go to college. I'm not condemning going to college. College is a great experience. But if a child is not interested, then guide them to become interested in something or something that they're good at doing. Mm -hmm. And listen to your kids. Listen, because sometimes without saying something, if you watch them, you'll find out what they're really good at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to read something you said that if you can speak, you can influence. If you can influence, you can change lives. And that's basically what you're you're helping these children with. Uh, let's talk about, I think it's a recent project project. You've developed an award-winning curriculum for public speaking called Win With Words, the Art mm-hmm. of Communication. Thank so you. this
1: is, uh, I used to have, uh, there were lessons that we were teaching in class. And mm-hmm. now what I'm doing is I'm actually doing them through Zoom as okay. I'm converting them. So they're going to be two choices. They're going to be programs where you could actually learn live with the tutor, or you could just learn with them online through videos where I will teach them. So that's what I'm working on right now. And what I do is normally when I write any lesson, I always test it myself to make sure it works. I don't just put it out there. I always make sure I try and test it myself with my own students or with students in a classroom before I put it out there. Yeah, and absolutely, you speak, you influence. I mean, your voice can make a difference in somebody else's lives. And, you know, I always give the example of uh, Oprah Winfrey. I went to her one of her speaking events here. She came to San Francisco. And I cannot tell you. I came out of there so energized, just listening to her voice, you know, just listening to the power in her voice and her, just her attitude. I really encourage people to do that. You know, make sure your kids also listen to people who are positive, you know, instead of the negativity, because that positivity can just change your life.
0: Yeah. Like many of us, public speaking is like a fear, fear of being judged or uh, we're so nervous and even as adults, so this might help. And you called it in the video, the perfect rules.
1: (laughs) Yes, my perfect rules.
0: Yes, I loved it. Can you just quickly go through them? The perfect rules for when it comes to public speaking or speaking in front of a group. Actually,
1: I tell students that perfect rules have to be implemented all the time, every minute of the day. Oh, really? And the perfect, yeah, every minute of the day, and especially so when you're speaking. So P is for posture. So your posture is very important. E is for eye contact. R is for relaxed. Take a deep breath and just relax and be yourself. So P-E-R. F is always speak in full sentences. So F is full sentences. P-E-R-F-E is for expression, your nonverbal communication, your body language. That's why I talk about the, you can make it or break it in seven seconds, your body language, your posture. People can decide who you are already just from the way you mm-hmm. enter a room and the way you stand without you speaking. So E is your expression and make sure you use the right expression. If you're trying to express something, use the right expression. And that also includes your hand gestures and your, your, how you move your hands. Mm-hmm. C is for confidence believe in yourself. And T is for always talk loud and clear. That's your perfect
0: rules. (laughs) That's great. And for the full sentences, you said, let's say a child, you, someone asked them, what's your name? I would reply Yes. But you say that they should put it in a full sentence. My name is Christian. Why?
1: Because you know what? It's first of all, it helps your listening skills. So when somebody asks you a question, you put that back into your answer. So that really reinforces what you're saying and you get into a habit of doing that. And also what happens is acknowledgement. You know, you're acknowledging that you heard the person and you're answering their question. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think it's so important. And what happens is having conversations. So you give an introduction of a name. Now, if we talk about how are you doing today? Good. How do I proceed in this conversation when you just said good? What about I'm doing really well. How about you? Now what has happened is you've just started a conversation. Mm. So I tell kids that speaking in full sentences moves you to the next level, moves you to the next level of conversation. And you can't just say, good, or great. Tell me why. Give me a reason why. I'm doing great. What about you, Miss Renu? So we always start our lessons in the, in the afternoons with this. I greet them individually. They all know each other, but they all have to greet each other individually. And then um, they talk back. And you know, it's funny you brought this up. There's a very wonderful game that you can do with your children. And I do this all the time in my class. What another thing is we forget how to introduce other people. So let's say I'm standing with you and, and I got to know you and now somebody else walks in the room and I start talking to them and I forget about introducing you. Yes. And then you've just told me a little bit about yourself. And now was I really paying attention? So now when I go to introduce you, I'll go, uh, this is, um, um, I think this is Christian and I think she's from Canada, right? Now, that's really rude. So what I tell students is every uh, time we start a class, we play this game. So I'll say, I'm Miss Renu and I live in Fremont. And then you would say, I'm Christiane, I live in Canada, and this is Miss Renu. She lives in Fremont. And then the third person would introduce themselves and then introduce both of us. So they have to keep remembering Mm -hmm. all the people prior. And that's very good exercise for listening and teaching your child how to introduce and listen to people when they introduce themselves to you.
0: Oh, I love that. And you can yeah. use like a common interest or something yes, like that. Yes, so well.
1: many things. Common interest, city, what you ate, it doesn't matter. But it, it teaches your child to pay attention and be sensitive to others. You know, be sensitive when somebody's telling you something, listen.
0: That's great. And what about when we're nervous? You say that it's important to release that nervous energy, even for us. I tell, I tell students practice. You know something, the only time
1: you're going to be nervous is when you feel you're not going to be ready. Practice is important. That is why the daily routine you do with your child is so important. When your child gets used to speaking every day, especially impromptu about subjects, like how was your day today? Or um, tell me what you think about, where do you think COVID came from? What are your thoughts on that? When they have to answer questions without being prepared, they start learning how to speak. And they get over the nervousness. And then another thing I incorporate is vocabulary as well. I tell children, use another word, give me a better word. Mm. So I introduce them to the dictionary, carry one with you all the time and look up a better word. You're always going to be nervous. And yeah, we can't tell kids together, grab that glass of wine. But what we can tell them is (laughs) um, breathing is very good. Take a deep breath. Always On the day you're about to present, make sure you're hanging out with nothing but positive people and positive thoughts because that really helps you. Somebody, you know, should be there who shouldn't be asking you, are you nervous? Are you nervous? Because even if you're not, you're going to become nervous. And when I talk about preparation, when you know you're going to speak somewhere, make sure you know everything, the room, get there early and go on stage and do it. I do this all the time where I'm speaking and people will say, why are you coming early? And I'll say, I just want to feel the room. Mm-hmm. I need to feel the room. I need to get on stage and I need to kind of just be able to scan the room and And I never teach my students to say "practice makes perfect." So I don't believe in perfection. I believe practice makes progress.
0: Love that. With all that said and done, so and one thing we should all buy ourselves a mic at home, or even a absolutely a a, a toy that's shaped as a mic, so so we can uh, take our turns to talk. (laughs) Even the babies.
1: I mean, I did. You know, believe it or not, I did that with my grandkids. So I get those little echo microphones where the kids can hear their voices. And even when you're teaching them phonics, it's very important for them to hear their voice. So they can echo into that mic and Mm. hear the echo back. So yes, best investment for life.
0: So do you have plans for expansions? Is that on hold because of everything and you're just going online? Or like you mentioned, if anyone listening is interested in a franchise to contact you? Yes. Pretty much.
1: Um, So, you know, right now, I think uh, things are just temporarily on hold until everything gets sorted out. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean to say that the daycare business or the preschool business is not there. It's always going to be there. We have to cater to people who go to work. And there are a lot of people out there that have to go to work and have to have their children in a safe, good place. So I tell parents that, yeah, if you're interested, absolutely. We're expanding and I'm very focused on quality. A lot of people ask me, why don't you have a hundred franchise? And I said, because maybe I haven't found a hundred people that I know will deliver the quality that I want. The hundred people that believe in those face shields. For example, those face shields are important. Like we've all invested in UV equipment for our classroom every day to disinfect. You know, I always tell people, think about it as if you're a parent and would you put your child in that school? And if your answer is no, then there's an issue there. So you got to treat your place of business as if it's as if you were the customer and would the customer come there. And so absolutely. But I also feel that we're going to head in the virtual world and people are heading virtually everything. I mean, companies, I think now even companies are realizing that some people are more productive at home than coming to the office, you know, mm-hmm. killing the commute. So I'm, my expansion for 2020 and 2021 is definitely going to be virtual. If you can come to Miss Rainu, Miss Rainu is coming to you. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> So where can listeners find more about you? When would they know that classes are now available online? Is there a specific tab on your website?
1: There will be a tab on my website, but definitely on my Facebook. All my announcements about my book and everything is on my Facebook. So you can definitely find me on Facebook under Renu Dillon, which is spelled with two N's, R-E-N-N-U, Renu Dillon, or GeniusKidsOnline.com. And we're very quick at answering. Um, there's a little chat window there. Even If you have any questions, if you go to the chat window or send me an email, I will respond right away.
0: You've got, of course, your YouTube channel, mm-hmm. some videos yes. there. Anywhere else they can find you? Um, probably on my email. Just My, my email is really easy. It's just RenuD,
1: R-E-N-N-U-D, RenuD at gmail.com. And my phone number is actually listed. My cell number is listed on the website. You can always uh, WhatsApp me, text me, whatever.
0: Great. And one last question I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. So we all know that being a mother, a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Keeping motherhood inspired, what one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey?
1: Just being their mother. I think motherhood is such an amazing experience to have in life. And I think if you can make it a—it's not a—it is a—it a, is a roller coaster. There's no question about it. And wait till you hit those teen years, and then you'll be pulling your hair out. <laughs> <laughs> only for a couple of years, <laughs> you only pull your hair out. But I think if um, the most wonderful experience I've I've had is I've I have a friendship with my daughters, and I'm mum when I need to be mum, but I'm more their friend. And I think that has kept this roller, a roller coaster ride from becoming a lot easier to handle is that they know that they can come to mom for anything and everything it doesn't matter what it is mm. and i promise not to overreact i promise to try and be a friend first and then be a mom second kids need to know for the rest of their life that their parents are going to be a safe haven that's where they can come to doesn't matter what and yes we're there to guide them but they have to know that when they fall we're going to be there for them regardless because otherwise we will lose our children we don't want kids going anywhere else talking we want them to come back to us and if you can keep that communication line going regardless of the age i mean i talk to my parents every day without fail even if it's for five minutes just to hear their voice you know even my dad i'm 60 years old my dad will scold me about something and i'll be like okay you know and i'll take it in stride but it's at the end of the day i know i can call him i'm having a good day or a bad day i can give him a call and he senses it in seconds just from my voice And I think my best message to parents is communicate, 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 love, love, love. You can never give enough hugs to your children. So don't stop hugging even when they're 60 years old. It doesn't matter.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening, two, three, four, five, six stars, whatever you feel reflect podcasts this will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode and thank you so much for listening talk to you next time bye guys